It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to the Pikey and Lau Show. We're talking Taipans and plenty of ground to cover. Plenty happening in the world of the Cairns Taipans in the NBL. It was a competitive weekend over Easter against Melbourne United despite the results not quite going the way of the Snakes but plenty to take out of those performances. We've got an interesting trip now to the Gong to look forward to against Brian Gorgian's man um, for, for this Sunday's game as well. And plenty happening. There's some, some injuries. There's some guys stepping up. There's plenty for us to get through. We've got a special guest on the Pike and Lau show this week as well. I'm Chris Pike, one half of that tandem. But I'm joined, as always, by the Cairns Taipans legend himself, Alex Loudon. How do we find you this week? Hey, good day, Pikey. No, very good, mate. Just um, dusting off the uh, the sniffles from a little uh, Easter getaway on Magnetic Island and uh, a little bit of rain and drizzle on the campers always makes for some mm. uh, good sound sleep. Uh, not, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, all, all is good for a bit of family uh, getaway. But um, yeah, certainly uh, keen to get stuck in and uh, dissect some of these games. I'm really excited about the uh, the guests that we have on today. Uh, one of my former teammates um, and uh, grew up a lot of juniors together in uh, in Perth. Uh, so I can't wait for that uh, little chat with uh, my old mate Adam Caporn. So um, yeah, let's get stuck in. Yeah, I remember watching you two play together back in those Perth days. I remember, I remember, I remember those times fondly. I the last game you would have played together was that. Fun- Famous John really inspired loss that I'm sure you're still tr- still having nightmares of Lau, so I'll try not to bring that up too often. Um. <laughs> you, you have a way of just uh, you know hitting my pressure points, uh, but how he got um, what was it ten threes? Uh, mm. He just rattled them off. He was on fire, John really that he game, was. and and that was of course the famous homicide shirt waving uh, antics. <laughs> yeah, just an unforgettable night. I'll never forget being there that night. It's probably still my most memorable NBL game that I've I've been at in person. Not not because I can rub it into you, but it's it's just so, been so many flow on effects from that game. You look twelve years later, and who would have thought that Corey Williams w- would go on to be the face of the league? Who would have thought that you would have ended up finding a home up in Cairns and having the career that you did? Who would have thought that? 12 years later, Connor Henry would find another job in Adelaide back in the NBL. There's been a lot of flow on effects from And then Adam Caporn coaching the Boomers Absolutely. for that for the game yeah. for uh, for the national team. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's funny how, how things can work out and, um, you know, different pathways eventuate. So, mm. um, no, but good to look back. The league needs characters, uh, and I just remember that game, uh, you know, with Homicide waving his shirt around, jumping <laughs> up on the, the thing, uh, yeah. on, the, on that little... Um, signage, and I just thought, you know what, the, the league needs more characters like Absolutely. this, <laughs> like because yeah. the, the, it makes it so watchable. It, it does, it does. Um, he, I mean, his rivalry with Simon Devlin was famous as well. That was that was one of the the good things about that old Challenge Stadium that you can't quite replicate in the new bigger arena over there in Perth. So, this episode of the Pikey and Lows Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life, and Statton's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. Yeah, we're here to talk about the Taipans, Lau. Absolutely, Um, yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) We don't want to look at the record right now, but I don't know if the record is quite indicative of how competitive the Taipans are. I look at these these last two games against Melbourne United, and it's a Melbourne team that is still considered 
championship favourites. They're, they're on their own five-game winning streak. And two 10-point losses, but the Snakes had a chance to win both of them. I, I felt like they were two pretty solid efforts, despite ending up with, with two L's next to, next to them. Look, I think the, the win-loss column, the, the front four teams are starting to... Um, oh, sorry, the top three are starting to separate yeah. from, from that middle tier and then the, the bottom three. Um, but what you're getting is actually some, some close games, but then the, those top teams just find a way to win. There's just like, a, you know, a player will step up that has the capability of you know, finishing a game, and it's it's one of the studs. It's either, you know, Bryce Cotton for the Wildcats, um, but the Melbourne games, Mitch McCarron just rose to a new level. Um, you know, e- even though, you know, Golding all them got, got going on some of the games, um, you know, it, it was his, it was McCarron's run in that final stage that clinched it, you know, eight points in yeah, one minute. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there's not much separating the teams except the stars come to play uh, and they've just got more of them. So, you know, three or four studs on that Melbourne United team. Someone's going to pick up the slack somewhere uh, and and get the get the, the job done and get the game over the line. Uh, for Perth Wildcats, it's usually the, the usual suspects, Bryce Cotton getting it done and, you know, a chip, ably assisted by, you know, uh, a Mooney, John yeah. Mooney kind of character who's uh, really, you know, blown a lot of the uh, the uh, competition away in terms of what people thought of him coming in. Um, so he, he's, uh, you know, delivered for the Wildcats. But for the Taipans, I think you're right. I think the games have been competitive, but when it comes to that crunch time, there, there just hasn't been enough uh, gas in the tank for, you know, someone that's capable to step up and and match and exceed um, the, the level of play that the, the other teams are sort of throwing in. So that's when they play those sort of those top teams. Um, but look, I, I, you know, there's a injuries. <laughs> there's a couple of injuries in the stable. There's players mm-hmm. um, getting opportunity. I, I really like what Nato has been able to uh, produce. Um, you know, and and the 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 um the game in Cairns uh, on the weekend before Easter, um, Tad Duffelmeyer, a development player, mm. uh, he played really well and he was really active. And I thought um, probably had his best game of, of the season. And that's a, that's a name that the Taipans fans won't actually know that well. He's been you know um, on the team for a couple of years. You know, come up from down south and and trying to prove his wares. But he got an opportunity, and I, I just thought he delivered really well. He, he was got a few steals. He, he's got a really good. Uh, leap, he, he got, um, you know, was able to get fill the stat sheet a bit, but I just thought he moved the ball well. So there was some really good movement in that Adelaide game. So I don't know which one, where do you want to start, Pikey? You had uh, the three games that we've seen. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about that Adelaide game because if you have a look at all the games surrounding it, so the couple of games before was against Perth and against Sydney, so we consider those probably. You know, two teams that are going to be around the mark for the finals, and then last week it was against Melbourne. Who it was, that was a tough double straight off, straight after yeah, the NBL Cup as well. It was so the Adelaide game was a was a real chance to for the type answer, I think, legitimately compete against a team that's going through some of their similar struggles. So mm. it was a game at home, and I felt like it was a game I just had to win. Both teams were missing plays through injury, so obviously we know yep. the Taipans are missing Majuk Deng and Kuat Noi right now. But Adelaide arrived without. Josh Giddy, no Isaac Humphreys, and, and no Keanu Pinder. So that kind of offset each yeah. other. So I felt like yeah. neither team had an excuse in terms of, of that. Yeah. So yeah. I thought it was a, an important game for the Taipans to win because I felt like it might have been a really dark sort of stretch home if you couldn't oh, yeah. at least w- w- win that game. And they played well. I um, so I, I was really happy that they found a way to to fight through that game, get some guys, different guys stepping up. Like you said, with, with Duffelmeyer, he pl- he came out and played some really important important minutes. But 
I like the fact that they won a game that you would expect them to win. So they're yeah. competing hard against the teams above them right now, but I felt like that was a game they should have won, and they did win, which was the most pleasing part about it from my point you know, of view. You know who was, um, you know, he goes as the unsung hero, but um, Fab Krislovic, he got at least mm. at least six or seven uh, second chance yeah. uh, possessions for the Taipans. Uh, actually, I think I counted something like, I counted like seven or eight, and we scored 12 points off off them so six of those times yeah, wow. we were able to yep. score and that just changes the game and it's nothing more than sort of effort and desire and I just thought Fab really changed that, that game uh, in Adelaide uh, sorry versus Adelaide at home yeah. um, and it was really good to see so you know when you see those kinds of plays the, the effort and energy is still there and that's been the common denominator of all of Mike Kelly's post-game press conferences, he's been saying, I, I really want that effort and energy. I really want mm. that effort and energy. And it's great to be rewarded with, you know, good energy from the guys. So he's really he's really harping on that. And it's, and it's a bit of a mental uh, strength, I think, um, to, to have that energy to, to continue to provide those efforts, even though the season is not looking great, as you said, in terms of the ladder and, you know, the win-loss. You know, the, the league leaders on 15 wins, you know, Taipan's on five. It's it's a stretch to go. Look, we're we're in strong contention for postseason play, but it's it's about the process now for for the players and for for Coach Kelly as well. Just demanding solid energy, solid buy-in, and uh, those effort areas certainly pay off with those extra possessions. Yeah, and I think the good thing about that game was that, um, I mean, Cam Oliver and Scott Machado played well, but I I kind of feel like Oliver should have played well without a genuine big to go up against without Humphreys or Pinder there. Right. And Machado probably should have played well without Josh Giddy to go up against, so there was no genuine point guard there for Adelaide. But yeah. the pleasing part was Jared Kenny stepped up. He knocked down three threes for the for the game, nine points, four rebounds. So he had a had a terrific game. Mojave King, a really, really solid game, you know, with with, with the eight points and three rebounds and a couple of threes. As you said, Fab Krislovich did, did a little bit of everything. And yeah. Mirko Jarek, he had, he had a really good game too with the, with the thirteen points, and you know Nat Jawai had had his moments. I think so, I think Jarek, I think Jarek, like he came out of the blocks like so did, yeah. uh, so hard when once he hit the floor. Um, sorry, he started, but um, you know he, he just got like I think it was the first eight points of the game, and so mm. you know that, that was a catalyst for it was a catalyst for everyone going right. We're home. We're going for this. Um, you know he's saying, "Come with me, boys. I got you know I got that got us a good start. Let's roll from here." Uh, and I thought that was really good. And like you said, Kenny stepping up, uh, that was big time, um, you know, just to knock down shots. And Mojave King didn't hesitate either. He, mm. is, on a couple of his first possessions, it was uh, uh, straight into his shot, you know, good footwork, straight into his shot, knocked down a couple of threes. And that just gets your, uh, your mojo going as well. Um, certainly as a player to see that ball go through the hoop. But he also did other things as well and, and um, uh, you know, got a nice little deuce uh, in, in the lane there. Um, but yeah, just just added extra effort stuff as well. So I, I feel like he's you know he's averaging four four and a half points a game, but it's not conducive of his progression. I think he's started off quiet. I think he's mm-hmm. got a bit more confidence through um, through the NBL Cup, and I think the numbers are averaged out now four and a half. But I think he's been delivering more around that eight points a game really in these last um, sort of four or five yeah, games right, yeah. sort of stretch. So I, I'm liking the progression. I like it that it's going in the right direction. Um, and uh, as obviously we hear from Adam Caporn, uh, you know, during the show, uh, it's it's sort of about that continued development. And let's not forget, this was the first home game for seven weeks for the for the Taipans as well. So it had been a long wait. 
not only for the players, but for the fans to get to see their and, and, and their the corporates well. and, and the corporates <laughs> having their drinks package, you know, and, and their feed yeah. at halftime and, and uh, getting the the social connections going again. Let's not let's not forget about the corporates. <laughs> let's not dust over them like you know, like they're not missing. Well, well, you know, well, well, they, you, you tell us, Lars, how excited was everyone to to welcome the team back? <laughs> uh, look, it was great. It, it was great. Like families were were out and about. Um, kids were, you know. They had a lot of energy, you know, coming to the games, and you kind of forget that sometimes. It's sort of there's something bigger than just the win and loss um, sort mm. of uh, record in, in Cairns, and it's about the community support. and It's great to see all the families um, really vibing at the game, and um, you know, getting up and about, and great to be rewarded with the win as well. I think that's uh, you know, people have been hanging out for just, just some positivity. Yeah, absolutely, and. I mean, the the home games are going to be sort of few and far between, just because there were so many in the first half of the season. So yeah. we've we've still got another another almost another Six. week until it's Adelaide that comes back again, and then there's another there's another another wait until an Anzac Day home game, which will be interesting against the Perth Wildcats. So we we've still got a little little while to wait before we get to welcome the team back home again. Um, yeah. So we haven't had a chance to discuss the injury to Quite Noy because. That that's happened since we did our last show as well. Um, yeah. Um, I, I guess we looked at him as I guess that that next option without Majuk Deng, he was the guy that needed to step up to become the third option behind behind Cam Oliver and Scott Machado. How 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 disappointing was that timing for him, and and especially for it to be now for the second straight season in a row that that his season has been been sort of ruined by by an injury. By an injury, yeah. Look, I think I think with with Den going down, um, I think Noy really, you know, mentally took it on his shoulders that you know he's really going to have to you know provide stability uh, for for the Taipans, and you know he was, uh, you know, I thought he's been playing really well. I think he's been mm. um, really conscious about being in attack mode rather than just settling for the three ball, which we saw a lot of in the first part of the season. You know, his numbers haven't gone. Th- through the roof by being in attack mode more, but I think it's it's caused the defense a lot more hassle um, to be in foul trouble and to be heading to the free throw line. I felt like the balance was was really starting to hit a, a good point. They still weren't getting W's, but they were playing the right way. And Noy, I felt like he was in a, a good groove um, to be you know delivering that that attack and that that extra playmaker um, that was making things happen. So uh, for him to go down, oh, he just gutted. You know, for him, and you could see the the teammates get around him, and yeah, yeah. Uh, just really bad timing. And uh, it, it, it's a knee, it's a meniscus, isn't it? Is it a, this yeah, um, in, so. in the yeah. knee? It's not an ACL, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but uh, certainly that I think it's that side of the, uh, the the cartilage and the side of the knee. But but certainly an extensive injury that um, you know looks to rule him out for the rest of the season. Am I correct in saying that, Pikey, or is it just another yeah, no, nine to twelve week? Which, which, yeah, he, he'll be very lucky to get back by the end of the season, I think. Yeah, so I think, you know, Noi going down, a uh, huge blow for the club, but what it does mean is, you know, there's opportunity for other players to prove their wares uh, and an opportunity for um, guys to, you know, put a good foot forward in terms of their rotations for, for next year uh, and things like that. And I thought, I, th- I just think Nata's really um, yep. filled... Uh, a really great role and shown, uh, you know, really good range defending yeah, smaller, faster players like Bryce Cotton, but also providing length on those guys, which you know is a hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something Coach Kelly can keep in his pocket. Um, you know, as 
um, as the second guy coming into guard those key uh, offensive threats. Um, he's shown some athleticism. He's rising up above the rim with a one-hand leaner. He's got some size to him, so guys don't really want to take a charge and um, you know get under him because he's a big body coming through. Uh, had that nice little drive baseline in that Perth game uh, and just shown a few other times where he's just been... You know, he's a threat from three, so they have to guard him. They have to, you know, put up a hand, but then he's also got, you know, one bouncing on the rim. And that's something that, you know, the, the tight ends don't have enough of is the players that cause the defense to come out so far um, mm-hmm. and then the player that's capable of putting it on the deck and, and getting to get into the rack. So um, I, I think he's, he's really starting to show he's got some unique tools in his toolbox uh, that can provide uh, something that the Taipans have been lacking. So I think he certainly cemented his future at the club and I think they'd be foolish not to you know sign him up I'm not sure if it was just the the one-year deal that he had or whether it was a two-year uh, thing but he certainly proved um, he's valuable to this team and being a bit flexible um, you know guarding sort of one through three so um, I think he's look, almost been a surprise packet like we've seen he's been in the NBL for a while so he'd played it's, it's bizarre isn't it like the NBL sort played of the same. breakers for I reckon four or five years but he never got a chance to really play more than just spot minutes as a as that 10th or 11th man. But he clearly, he, I think he's clearly always had this ability. He's played... I've seen him play bigger roles when he's been playing for the Tall Blacks and he's shown signs of what he can do. And also in the NZNBL, he's he's had some of these type of games. But he's really so is an it just been, round quest- package, isn't he? Has it just been question marks around, like, um, can he play because he's playing behind players? Is is, is that what sort Possibly, of happened? Yeah. So, um, because, I mean, you're coming up behind... Yeah. If you go look at the breakers, he's behind Abercrombie, he's behind Delaney, yep. he's behind yep. these type of guys, and yep. and he's so just he's... never quite got the chance to show what he could do. Yep. Yeah. So sort of third rotation in on that position. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, sometimes it can be funny like that. You know what's funny also is, um, you know, Chris Golding's a classic one. So he was development player of the Wildcats was, yeah. um, when I was there in um, 08 or 09. And he was, he was probably a development player in that famous game, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was. Anyway, but, you know, at the age of maybe 20, I want to say he was 19 or 20, he couldn't believe that he hadn't made it already, right? And, mm-hmm. and this is a guy that's, you know, putting up big numbers in like the QBL and all that kind of stuff as an 18-year-old, yep. 19-year-old. Uh, just almost bewildered that he hasn't had an opportunity, but... Eventually, the opportunity came, right? And obviously, playing with the Blaze, and then you know, taking off from there, yeah. you know, then now he's now he's established. Now he's a you know household name. Now he's a boomer. Now he's a superstar. Now he's yeah. you know the the stud for for Melbourne United. So, you know, but at the time, as a development player, you think, oh, you know, keep keep at it, mate. You'll get there. Like he's gone further than any of us that were saying those things. Um, so it's just funny how you know you, you keep at it. You you sort of have that for use of a better word, this continued development kind of um, mindset and and belief in yourself. Uh, and then you know the opportunity obviously favours those that are the best prepared. So I mean I think I think Nato's done a really good job of maybe. I think he's a perfect example of that. I think it would have been easy for him to give up potentially. Yeah. When he oh, wasn't absolutely. getting much game time. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But you know, if if a guy like that is um, you know stuck with it, um, you know now he's now is he as he grows in more confidence and it just reassures him every game that he has a good game. You know he starts to go, man, I'm a I'm a threat here. Like I yep. I've got some dangerous uh, weapons here, and I can if I'm a bit more aggressive there, like it's going to work out even more for us. So no, just just really happy to see um, his his growth there and and a great. Well, just pick have up a look at his club. two games against Melbourne. 
He's two games against Melbourne last weekend. He combined for 32 points and 11 rebounds across those two games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, two years ago, that took him a whole season to amass those sort of numbers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, anytime you can uh, you can contribute, you know, big and have a bit of a purple patch, um, you, you certainly feed off that for weeks. Now, those two games against Melbourne. So the first one was on on Good Friday in Melbourne, and then they came back to play in Cairns on Easter Sunday. So, I mean, I like I said, they were competitive performances, but they're against. I think the team that most people still consider the championship favourites. So, speaking of Mike Mike Kelly after both games, he was he was happy with the fight they showed, but he's frustrated that they keep getting themselves in positions where they have to fight back in games, and it takes so much energy to fight back that then, mm. as you said, the other team has a little kick left in them. So whether it's Mitch McCarron or somebody else, once the game gets close again, the opposition has that little kick left because. The Taipans have had to use so much energy to get back into the game. The fr- that's the frustrating part, isn't it, right now, that they just fall behind early and that takes so much energy. You can't question their fight from there, but it's just it's, it's just so hard to play catch-up against teams that, that are stacked like like these this Melbourne team is. Look, I think you're going to have fluctuations as a team where you, you play well, you get a, a win by 10, or you, you, you might not play that great, you maybe get a loss by five, and you have these sort of ebbs and flows, uh, and, you know, momentum shifts. The, the, the Taipan season so far, that same, they've had ups and downs, but it's been at a level that's not, at, you know, getting, getting the Ws done. So their fluctuations happening below the win-loss sort of line. So unfortunately, you know, and I feel that's because maybe they're just, just missing that one extra stud that other teams have in their back pocket. Uh, well, really, it's their, their front pocket. They, they've, they've loaded up on, you know, every team's got their two imports, and but they've also got one or two Boomers players. I mean, look at Melbourne United with Mitch McCarron, Jock Landale to complement um, you know, your Scotty Hobsons, the, those kind of players. So, and Golding. Uh, and, and Golding. So they, they've got four. They've got four players they can, you know, rely on and go, one of you guys has, has got to get going with your capability. And it's having those those multiple um, uh, players that can handle handle the rock and make plays, be, be a playmaker. With with the Taipans at the moment, you, you've obviously got Machado making the plays. But when he, you know, he's got a guard off of their best player at the other end, mm. uh, when he's got to give the ball up to someone to be a playmaker, there's they're just just missing you know that that other that other player that's capable enough to putting the game on their back and maybe go sure. for twenty or or, or more uh, and just get them over that that hump of losing that lead as you as you spoke of because you know relying on Oliver and Machado for you know every single game uh, that's not what the other teams kind of do now. I know Bryce Cotton's playing out of his skin uh, and really hard to stop. But for the most part, the other teams have, um, you know, it's a, it's someone different each night providing that mm. that big sort of punch. So the studs uh, are really coming to to play. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah. even in the case of Perth, usually when they win games, Bryce has a big game, but it's always somebody else that plays that big cameo as well. So yeah, they're getting they're getting other guys playing important roles too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a, you know, it's a tough one to juggle because, you know, last year I felt like. There wasn't the tall timber that was making it happen this year. For some reason, 
you know, a Jock Landau's come in and sort of changed the game. He's six eleven and agile. Yeah. Um, even you know, Jordan Hunter's come up for, with, yeah. with Sydney. He's he's playing like a Paul Gasol. I, I feel like yeah. he's he's got yeah. some. He's actually been really really solid. Um, yeah, I mean, each of, each of the teams playing well too. Um, yeah, Jarrell's a great yeah, one. Both player. guys at the at the Phoenix. Wetzel and Wetzel and Ben Moore are pretty handy. I mean, John Mo- John John Mooney's pretty handy. Humphreys yeah. when he was healthy, I think. Humphreys is yeah. great. Like Humphreys is a really Colton Iverson too at New Zealand now. Colton's been, you know, he's been solid. I think he's, you know, he's not as refined in the skill no. set that are like the Yolandale and um, your uh, uh, Jarrell Martins are. No. Um, but but the league seemed to. Hasn't he? The league seemed to load up on fives that were pretty skilled, uh, and I think it's yep. changed the the look of the league a bit. I, yeah, I think right. I think yeah. Jawo's a good backup five. I don't think uh, Oliver's actually a five. He's he's an undersized five, but he's he's most effective as a four. But yeah. for for from their you know their their makeup and their position wise, you've you've got to play him at the five. You know when Majok Deng's healthy, you've got him at the four as well. But you you are playing. You want to be having those players be at their their true position because that's where they're most effective. Now I think Jawa is a good backup five, but I just don't think we have an actual Aussie five. I or, or I just don't think he can play the amount of minutes you need as a starter right now. I think somewhere between fifteen and twenty looks to yeah, be his limit. And, and that's where he will be, and that's where Jawa will be most effective. Is that unique? Exactly. Um, you yeah. know, the difference like he was in those Sydney games. Yeah. Um, but but having that having that twenty five you know minute sort of big uh, like a you know six eleven mm. guy um, you know just seems to be a bit of a, a hole as well as that that two that playmaker spot that can really um, you know complement a Machado but yes but you know everyone's had to everyone's had to fill the the spots as best they as best they can and um, but you know when they when you talk about it going deep in the postseason teams will look at let's say this let's take Wildcats, for instance, they're clearly going to be in, in postseason play. When mm-hmm. a team looks at their own lineup, they'll go, "All right, who's? How are you going to guard the best player on another team?" So Bryce Cotton. So who who are you putting on Bryce Cotton? And then you got to go through your team. Um, when you put your team together, you go, "All right, who am I going to get that's going to be able to stop Bryce Cotton?" Um, so it's going to be, you know, Machado is going to be capable. And now you can say, "Look, Nartai's, you know, yeah. part of that yeah. that sort of lineup." I mean, you take it to the NBA, right? And it and they go. When you put your team together, you say, "Who's stopping LeBron James?" That's that's yeah. where they start. That's the starting yeah. point. It's like, yeah. who is stopping the best player in the league, and how are you going to get it done in, you know, in a grand final series of five? Exactly. So, yeah. if I bring it down to the NBL, for instance, and they come up against, let's say they come up against Sydney, um, then they say, "Well, who's stopping um, Jarrell Martin?" And it's mm-hmm. like, "Well, we've got a backup for five. Nate can hold it mm-hmm. down for a bit, but it, I think I think a player like Cam Oliver is going to be." Uh, undersized guarding that for five games in a grand final series so you'd sort of go look Cam's our four uh, we, we kind of need to fill that that five position so we need a Angus Brandt we need a, a Humphreys we need we need someone to fill that spot because that's what we need you know so so that's how you kind of try and make up your team um, obviously you've got you know ideally you, you have someone that's going to be the strongest in their at each of the positions, one through five, and then you kind of mm. back them up with a, a good solid backup um, as best you can. You've got limited Aussie and New Zealand talent. They obviously go first, and then you you know generally fill it with a, an import point guard, and then you see what else you need. So it's a bit of a it's a hard one to get right. Obviously, last oh, year. Let me ask you something, Lars. When yeah. if if you're the Taipans, um, 
whether whether that means you're Mark Beecroft or Mike Kelly, it doesn't matter. Just somebody in management. Um, when do you start thinking about next year for this type ends team? And when do you start deciding who from this squad right now you want back for next season? And when do you start thinking about who you want to try to looking at to add to, to this group for next season? Well, you when, obviously... When, when do you start that? Well, you've, you've obviously got, you know, some players are on the two-year contract. So sure. you've, you, yeah. you lock, you know, you lock them away because they're already, they're already signed. Um, and it's very rare that, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, have a trade or, or um, mm. you know change players and, and things like that. So then it's it's sort of about balancing where the talent is available and the first talent that's hard to lock away or really tricky to do is the Aussie and New Zealand talent. So the local mm. studs. So your Chris Goldings, your Mitch McCarrens, or you know your, your Nathan Sobies, they're the ones that always go first yeah. uh, because they're you know they they perform uh, and they get the job done and they're the ones that are going to carry. Uh, your squad deep into you know postseason play. So once you've locked away your three, uh, well not three studs. Once you've locked away as best talent as you can, um, maybe it's a, you've you've got a two, three, and a four. Let's say in Aussie that as starters, you've locked away. Uh, let's say the imports they're only allowing two. Um, you've locked away three good starters. Uh, now you and they were a two, three, and a four and they were Aussie or New Zealand, then you've got to go, right, import-wise, we need a one and a five, really. Yep. Now, if you manage to get uh, a five, that's an Aussie, and if you manage to get a you know, a four, that's an Aussie, that's a starter, That's you know that can be one of your studs, um, and you've got a, let's say, a three as well, then your imports are probably going to be a one and a two. Now, most teams are going to have you know an import point guard. That's, that's generally where um, mm. you know, everyone's kind of gone, and they've been... Um, the most, um, you know, that they've really set the tone. It's it's a point guards league <laughs> uh, in terms of who's 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 the you know the biggest names. So, um, you know, it's always the, the Caspers and the, and the Cottons and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So you've got a you've got a and Machados and you've got to match match that. I mean, that that's the starting point. But you, you're trying to fill those starting positions first, uh, and with the available Aussie and New Zealand talent, and then and then you find your your imports to to complement and fill. Um, that sort of uh, appropriately. So I mean, there's, you, you'd start straight away. Is the answer to that mm-hmm. question? You'd be you'd be looking at it as soon as possible because this, although this season, you know, you say, oh look, there's still a, a small flicker of a, a chance a team can get well, in a role. Well, I mean, you, you don't want the team to give up on it, but as management, you have to cast your eye forward, don't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you're casting your eye forwards not just one year, but multiple years because sure. yep. you've got to think about a development plan. I think about the Tad Duffelmeyer type of players. You've got mm-hmm. development players that you're trying to um, build up and maybe have a bit of a plan. You've got yep. you know, the Mojave King type of players that could be around two years as, as per the contract or they could be off. You know, They could be um, off to other, other leagues and things like that. So you know, that could be... Um, you know. Yeah, that could come through, or that that might end early. You know, so yeah. you've got to have all these contingencies in play. I'd say you'd have to have at least, you know, three or four years into the future how how this team's going to be shaped, um, and which 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 players you load up on a three year contract uh, and lock away. Um, you know, it's always a bit of a risk uh, in terms of, uh, you know, hopefully they stay injury free. Hopefully they still deliver. Hopefully they they're still motivated. Um, to, to succeed and, and perform well. But it ultimately, it comes down to how they perform um, and what they produce as to whether they get the, uh, the big contracts. You really need an answer from the NBL as soon as possible too about 
the two or three imports moving forward, don't you? Because that's going to make a big, that's going to be a big factor in any decision that you make. I didn't think they needed to, I didn't think they needed to um, bring it down to two. I think, you know, that, oh, that was, a, uh-huh. that was yeah. I mean, I, I understand it obviously gives the Aussies more of a chance and all that, but I felt like that whole, there was a couple of things that happened at the same time. Player salaries go down, imports mm. go down. It was this kind of knee-jerk reaction that I, I felt didn't need it to didn't happen. Happened a, a long way out from the season starting, didn't it? From it the season starting, I thought they, I, I thought felt, they had I felt time. Like it happened like back way back in June. Yeah, it did. And it, they had time. They had time. But I, mm. I, I certainly, you know, even as Adam Capeorn, he's, you know, he applauds the league because the the bigger picture is kids are looking up to. Um, these players, kids are uh, once again, sorry, looking up to these players where there's a bit of a dip, bit of a lull in the league, I think. Uh, and mm. I think the product right now is really good. And I think certainly the, the league organisers and Larry need to be, um, you know, tip your hat to them because the, the product right now is causing young kids to look up to these stars and admire them again and aspire to bigger things. Um, so it's really been, um, I think that the league's really moving in the right direction, even though. I, yeah. I personally feel like that, you know, that call for the um, imports and the salaries and all that was stuff was a bit, bit re- um, knee-jerk reaction. I, I still think yeah. that the league is moving forward. But do we want to hear from, um, you know, the, the, the Boomers coach that came up uh, a few weeks ago? Mate, we is it a good segue to, to get into, um, we've, we've got, into the mind? We've got, we want to preview that Hawks game once we come back. But, yeah, so let's look forward to that to come when we come back here on the Bike and Lao show. But absolutely what can we look forward to hearing from, from Adam Capon, Laos? Oh, well, let's just get stuck straight in. Uh, he's a great guy. He's certainly putting a lot of hours. Um, you know, he, he went through a lot of the progression, a lot of these young kids as a player. Uh, went to St. Mary's as a, uh, a college as well. So he's, he's been through all of that and played professionally for six years as well. Uh, so come to a bit of a knee injury, um, which put him on the fast track to more of the coaching side of things. But he's certainly doing big things in the coaching realm. Uh, and a, a leader of men. So let's hear about uh, from Adam Caporn at the Centre of Excellence. All right, I'm very excited about uh, the next guest for the Pikey and Lau's show. Um, he's uh, had six years in the NBL himself, uh, but he's currently uh, the, the head coach at the Centre of Excellence uh, where they train some of the, the uh, greatest athletes coming through, uh, some young bucks, and they also have alongside them the NBA Academy. Uh, I'm talking about... Coach Caporn or Adam Caporn, how are you going, mate? Great, thanks, Alex. Uh, good to chat to you. So a little break. Yeah, yeah. So, so the uh, the athletes that you're currently coaching have got a bit of a breather, do they? Yeah, we uh, we took Easter off, and this week basically most of them got to go home, except for except for a few. And that was well earned. Had a tough start to the year and season coming up. So, and then. Um, few of them are getting ready for uh, under eighteen nationals next week. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's uh, maybe talk about just briefly your your current role, and then maybe we can dip into a bit of history. Um, but but just explain uh, just just what the the landscape is for you coaching wise uh, in terms of these young kids and how it relates to the NBA Global Academy as well. Well, the Center of Excellence is essentially the same program that used to be called the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport. Um, when Winning Edge came in, and some just basically some government. Uh, so the way we operate with money and sport, I guess, and funding um, gave sports the opportunity to have more control over their high-performance spending. Um, basketball maintains its program. It's um, had a lot, so much success and played such a pivotal role in the success of our sport internationally. So we are now the Centre of Excellence and we're based at the AIS and work with the AIS in partnership in delivering our program. So 
We have uh, 12 full-time residential athletes here, somewhere between usually 16 and 19, um, with the objective being to develop athletes that ultimately can help deliver a gold medal at a World Championship or World Cup or Olympic Games. Um, a few years ago now, the, uh, we had some um, discussions with the NBA as they're developing their academies and uh, work in partnership with their global academy here. And we get five Australians that come into the global academy, usually younger, and graduate up to the Centre of Excellence so that so we get the ability to work with both programs and we deliver them on the ground here um, together in many ways. Um, right. And it's been, right. you know, have seven internationals as part of that program as well and we're all, you know, friends and uh, and part of a great daily training environment and great partnership and great benefit for Australian basketball. Absolutely. So the experience for these young guys is just uh, uh, just amazing because obviously they're playing against best athletes of their age groups, and then then uh, they come out into um, you know things like the NBL or, or you know looking forward to the the NBA draft and things like that. You're, you're kind of in charge of turning boys into men uh, in terms of their their on court performance and off court as well. Is is that um, one of the rewarding parts of your job? For sure. Um, you hit a you know, nail on the head there, and uh, obviously you and I experience it ourselves. There's, there's a big gap between junior basketball and the professional world. Yeah, um, yeah. And college has you know, traditionally played a part in that, but I think college has you know, just become more and more ruthless and as professional, essentially, in its own right. You have, to, um, you have to be ready to perform the day you get there as a cutthroat, ruthless world and, and um, maybe less focused on development than it was, was potentially. Anyway, um, yeah, so you're right. So our job is to really help the athletes gain the tools to, um, to call, develop their skills to close that gap and the knowledge and the ability to coach themselves and continue developing when they leave. And whilst the program is residential, we consider a platform to support long-term. So we stay in touch, try and um, intervene here and there where we may be able to, to help. For example, Angus Glover, who did an ACL after a year out, came back and um, we helped get him back on oh, yeah. Yes. feet, but um, also the holistic part of just seeing people um, you know, grow and um, challenge themselves and chase their goals and fail a little bit and reset and learn and get through adversity together yeah. um, is a really, really fun part. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really rewarding. One of the things that's got a lot of uh, international attention, obviously, you know, previous year, um, you know, see Lamelo Ball, uh, um, you know, as they had then these guys that come from overseas and then uh, do really well in the NBL and boost their NBA stocks and all that stuff and go back. Uh, and, and that's great and all, but this year we're seeing Australian talent in that Next Stars uh, kind of program. Uh, and obviously Josh Giddy's sort of leading the way, um, just, uh, just impressive performances and uh, just Sydney and Jessup as well getting the, the call to the NBA uh, or potential. And then obviously Mojave King at the Taipans, which uh, I'm really keen on you know, discussing with you now. But um, the, you know, these guys making that jump at that age, 18, we often forget that they're so young. Um, talk to me about you know, going into like the NBA, let's say for Mojave King, what, what, what are some of the things that you know, uh, he, the tools that he would need in his toolbox to really, to really excel? As you know, it's a really ruthless, cutthroat world. The professional world is so much pressure on every moment, every game, and people's um, livelihoods are on the line. And it's um, it's difficult, and it's part of what helps you get better and grow. And uh, and so there's, there's many things, but ultimately you need to be able to one continue your development. So um, whilst 
programs will largely do a great job of that. You need to be able to get in the gym and do extra and find ways to continue improving and developing your game on and off the court. And I think that's um, something that we really try and help the athletes understand and be part of what they do when they leave. Um, to succeed as part of a team and on the court, you need um, one of the physical tools. It's a, it's a demanding physical game and the the IQ demands and the problem-solving requirements are really, really high. Yeah. And the skill level is very high. So you've got these three things going on at all times. And um, so really high school level, really high level of physicality, and really, really smart, experienced players. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Mojave, for example, is really well-placed to, to succeed in that environment, and I think he's done well, but still finding his feet. And um, I have no doubt that he can still... Um, you know, do a lot of, he will still do a lot of damage this year in the NBL and is a really good player. It's a very, very difficult thing. And no matter, you know, whether the production is what some people may expect or not, uh, he's a very, very good player and NBA prospect for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw him preseason now, uh, just had some, uh, just really impressive, uh, kind of stat lines. I think, I think we got a taste of the athleticism early on in that preseason. Uh, obviously he's cooled a bit in terms of production, but uh, I felt like the NBL Cup, he started to kind of really gather a bit more ground and a bit more confidence. I, I thought he was maybe turning down some opportunities early on in the season. But I, I really liked what I saw um, in the NBL Cup, especially, um, I'm sure you saw it too, the dunk on, I think it was Yanni Wetzel for the South East Melbourne Phoenix, yeah. just rose above, like his, his hand was at the top of the square, um, rising off two and throwing down with one. Uh, is that what he was doing at training back when you were coaching him? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he did some incredible things physically, and it just kept getting better and better. And it's still, it's still on the way up. Um, but yeah, he's a special athlete, an NBA athlete, and for sure, and did some, did some uh, incredible things in practice. Um, I did see that dunk, and he's, uh, he's going to have some more. Um, he does, he makes some things look really easy, like tip dunks and little lob passes, end lines that he's had. Um, they, I mean, he's. There are incredible things to achieve for his position, really, as a combo as a combo guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think he, you know, he's a really gifted scorer, and that's just a difficult role to break into in the in the professional world. You know, people can um, can find other ways to contribute, and I think he's doing a nice job of that. But ultimately, his ability to um, to make shots and make him overhand and impact games, um, and his elite skill is scoring. In my opinion, and I think he's um, doing a good job of that, and he's doing it in a difficult, you know, a difficult realm for a young person. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it's all of it just contributes to helping him be better place to, to succeed in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're seeing the progression. Obviously, such early days as a, as a young buck. Uh, what if I could just quickly just delve into the history of yourself, Adam Capel, and obviously, uh, you know, six years in the NBL uh, and struck down with a, with a bit of an injury. We were just speaking before. Um, the, the concepts of, of injury and, and recovery have, have shifted slightly. Maybe you wouldn't have played on uh, the, the bone bruising that you might have had back in the day. But uh, before that, uh, under-18 championship gold medal winning um, you know, performance, uh, I was on the bench watching very wide-eyed about all this new stuff and, and you guys were just killing on the floor for WA Metro. Uh, so very impressive from, from my stance just seeing you uh, develop and uh, you know, deliver uh, AIS together at Canberra. 
Um, we've got a bit of history there. Uh, there's one. There's one story that you, you told that was quite inspiring. And and correct me if uh, if your dad's not a source of inspiration for yourself. But uh, in terms of hard work and work ethic, um, you know, he made you guys as young kids dig a big hole in the backyard. A, a meter. I remember it specifically. It was a meter wide diameter, round hole, a meter deep. And he walked out, popped his beer, empty beer can in there, said, "Right now, fill it in." Uh, is this your backbone for hard work? Is this coming from your father? Um, uh, yeah, that was a funny story um, or an interesting moment. Um, it was a hard worker for sure. And, you know, we had like a little sort of hobby farm, I guess, and he was always working on the house, working in the yard. And, you know, uh, I talked to um, my wife now, who's American, and say, so, you know, like, one of the funny terms you have is the word bludger. You weren't working hard. <laughs> Don't be a bludger, which is a really funny term. Um, you think about it now, you know, um, it's kind of like a different language. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just something he valued, and you know, I think it's um, something that culturally we value. And then, uh, yeah, that one in particular was really for like, a younger brother. It was for, I think, it was complying with him, which um, you know, he didn't take too kindly to. And being a parent now, I completely understand, and it it stopped me doing it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes when uh, the athletes here don't do exactly what I ask or misbehave or my kids do it, I think about making them do it all themselves because it worked. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Just, just a final note, I guess. Um, you know, the likes of Josh Giddy, Dustin, and Jessup, Mojave King. Uh, you know, how excited are you to see that, those pathways uh, be able to play right on your home soil uh, before they venture off into the next part of their career? Yeah, I think it's great. I think um, the NBL is a really exciting place. It's you know, had its ups and downs historically, and right now, what I really enjoy here is our, our athletes um, are inspired by it. We watch it, we try and find, we go to games, we talk about it. It's something they um, they strive for, um, which is which is a great thing um, for our country and for our sport. And really exciting to see the talent we've got coming through and. Um, I really believe there's, there's more to come. It's just going to get better and better. Adam Caporn, uh, one thing I did mention was uh, obviously coaching the Australian Boomers when they played up in Cairns, which was really impressive to see. Uh, thanks for all your efforts, obviously, with the Centre of Excellence and bringing up these young guys. And uh, thanking, thanks for uh, chatting with me today on the Piking Loud Show. Thanks for having me, Alex. And I uh, probably should mention that um, I appreciate you speaking nicely. I was an under 18 for the next year. You were. Uh, one gold yourself and we're better than any of us. So good on you and thanks for the work you're still doing in basketball. And big thanks to Adam Caporn uh, and all thanks to Staten's Plumbing Company, of course, uh, for interview of the week. Uh, but yeah, I just felt like he, uh, he's got a real well-rounded sort of a wise view for these young players. You know, they're, they're there to chase their goals as they come into the NBL. They're there to fail and learn and, um, you know, figure it out. So I just thought it was, he had a really good holistic view uh, for their development, uh, which is really good. So it's obviously in good hands, um, those, those junior basketball players that are making the jump to uh, professional status. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're in the best possible hands. Sometimes when you watch a guy play, you can tell that he sees the game. He's a thinker. <laughs> yeah, think, and, and sometimes it naturally happens if it's a point guard. So a lot of times you find point guards make good coaches. But, I mean, you, you knew him as a teammate. I saw him play, you know, his playing career, and he was just a smart player. He didn't have a lot of athletic tools, and especially by the end his knee was giving him a lot of trouble. But he just could see things out on the floor that other people couldn't, and now he's been able to 
translate into coaching. I'm glad he's taken this path to help the youngsters because have a look at the amount of young talent we've got in this country. And and I, I remember when I spoke to him ahead of that game against New Zealand up in up in Cairns that he was coaching. Um, he's already got an eye to a lot of these guys in that team will be playing at the next Olympics. So we know that there's the Olympics coming up at Tokyo later this year, but he's already got an eye to the next Olympics and a lot of these guys being there to play for the Boomers then. So I, I just love that approach. And he could have been coaching in the NBL, I'm sure, already if he put his hand up. I know that I, I know that he was highly sought after for the Adelaide job, that now now is Connor Henry's, but he decided he wanted to stay at the Centre of Excellence. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad he has because I think he's doing a fantastic job. Oh, he's got a really high IQ. Like even you know that leaving year twelve and all that, I mean, his his uh, scores were like through the roof. So he, mm. um, you know, studying at college and all that, he had yeah, he could have chosen anything. Um, so he already already knew he was book smart and a real thinker. Uh, but yeah, just progressed into the into the perfect spot for him. And I think I think, I think there's a lot of reward when you uh, you know teach the younger ones coming through and and see the progression and then. The, um, the development of these these young players, I think it's quite a uh, rewarding experience uh, for them. So, yeah, certainly loving life at the moment. Yeah, I mean, just imagine. I mean, imagine working with a kid through his teenage years and through his early adulthood and then seeing with, him with that athleticism. an NBA player. I mean, it's, uh, oh, it's really 100%. Right and the athleticism of these guys coming through, like yeah. I just, when I mentioned to Adam, the, you know, the uh, Mojave King Dung where he's, He's risen off two and with the one-hand leaner, he was, he was top mm. of the square over Yanni Wetzel uh, for that Phoenix, Phoenix yep, game. Yep. And that kind of athleticism at 18 years of age, like I, I didn't see that when I came through. <laughs> there were some guys that had hops, Lucas Walker and all them. You're like, man, he's got some hops. He can do a windmill. Yeah. But this is next level. Like These yep. guys coming through are NBA caliber athletes. It's amazing. Yeah, and I look at what Josh Giddy's doing right now as an 18-year-old and He's doing it as a guy who's still growing. He's he's grown another inch already since he's been in Adelaide. And I remember, I <laughs> I, I got to the great height of about five foot six or seven when I was about thirteen, and I never yeah. grew again. And then you right. get a guy like that. He's still growing now. He's while he's about to enter the NBA. Is that one hundred percent? He's growing. He's grown an inch this this Apparently year. Apparently, he arrived. Year. He was six foot seven, and he's now six foot eight. <laughs> That's crazy. And he's <laughs> averaging what? Did, Double-digit assists. Yeah, he is. He's right. almost almost putting up a triple-double every night, just about. So, a couple um, of games ahead of us, Pikey. Yes, yes, we are. Um, now, Laos. Yeah. That interview was brought to you by Staddens Plumbing Company. Cairns Total Physio are bringing us our MVP tracker every week. Have you got an update for us? Mate, I, I absolutely do. But I was hoping that you could give me the uh, <laughs> the, the crucial details okay. uh, well, of who was in let's the league. Make it a team I, effort. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Is what I'm trying to say. You've, you've got it there, okay. but I know I know we've had a change of leaders uh, we since the last we time have. we did it. So let's go through those last three games. So the win over Adelaide at home, we got Cam Oliver with the three votes, Moko Jerick the two, Jared Kenny with the one, and then yep. the Good Friday game against Melbourne, we had Jordan Artai the three votes, Nate Jawai the two. And Cam Oliver, the one. And then the home game on Easter Sunday against Melbourne. We've got Scott Machado, the three. Jordan Artai, the two. And Mirko Jerick, the one. So that means after the 21 games, we've still got 15 games to go, believe it or not, Laos. We've yep. got Scott yep. Machado out on front, 33 out votes. 33. So three ahead mm-hmm. of uh, Oliver. Only three so ahead, that... so it's still very close. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. Cam Oliver's on 30. And then there's a little bit of a gap, but with 15 games to go, 
That means there's still 45 votes available there for somebody, so you can still win even if you're on zero right now, so don't give up. But we've got Coat Noy on 11, we've got Mirko Jerig on 10, Nate Jarwai on 10, Fab Krislovic on 9, and Jordan Artai is the one that's making the move at the moment. He's on 7. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I like about this this tracker is that you're starting to see the, the big contributors that are coming off, um, you know, outside of the the starting five. Not not they're not always outside the starting five, but they're they're the ones that are really contributing big. And I like to see um, you know Fab coming in there. I think uh, Jawa's had a lot of bigger games in this second part of this uh, you know the season so far. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's it's seeing that movement and seeing the progression. Um, guys digging deep and getting that energy going uh, and earning themselves a couple of uh, MVP club MVP points. Absolutely, and thanks to the support of Kansas Saddle Physio for that. They're keeping very busy right now, trying to, to keep everybody healthy and also casting their votes each and every week. So thanks very much for their, their support here of us at the Pikey and Laos Show. This episode of the Pikey and Laos Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. And Statton's Plumbing Company, plumbers who care. Now, Laos, we've got a big game to look look forward to on Sunday. It's in Wollongong. It's against Brian Gorge and Zillawarra Hawks, and they they've hit a bit of a tough patch. They've lost they've lost their last three games in a row. They're a little bit down on confidence and probably some some manpower at, at the moment. What do you what do you make of what you're seeing from the Hawks, and what do the Taipans have to do to go into Wollongong and and get that win? Well, cast your mind back to the start of the season. They were jumping teams with, mm. you know, a, a funky, you know, zone and press and all this, all this action that Gorgian just he he got them into a point just enough where they knew what was roughly going on, uh, and just by junking it up, just caused enough um, disruption for the opposition. So they were they were jumping teams early, and I feel like they've obviously come off the boil, um, and it's starting to settle into a bit of a, a rhythm where teams have scouted them now. They've played them a few times, uh, and some of the individuals aren't getting the easier looks as as uh, what they were initially getting uh, from the from the, be- the beginning. So. Look, I think uh, it's a gettable game. Um, you know, Gordon's going to have his tricks and getting his charges uh, ready to play. But you're right. I think uh, I think it's a it's a bit of an open open one for the Taipans if they're they're hungry and ready and, and kind of on song. Um, you know, energy from the jump and not just uh, you know letting the game come to them. I think they've got to go on the front foot and take and take charge early. Um, then maybe they can stem that that um, that flow that you spoke about earlier where they. They get ahead and then they drop the lead and then they're a bit too far behind to, to finish mm. and close out. If they can get a good start and keep those eps and flows uh, manageable and keep that cushion, um, you know, then, then they'll keep their tails up. This is a, probably a question from Mike Kelly, so, but I'm going to ask you to step into his shoes for, for a second. Um, how do you think he'll feel? Now, I know he's done it a couple of times already this season. How do you think he feels going up against Brian Gorge and given he had such an amazing part of his playing career Playing under under Gorgian when when they were together at 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 um the the Southeast Melbourne Magic. Oh, I think I think on the surface, you know, they'd probably always go, "Oh, look, it's no big deal." Mm. But then when you're coaching the game and you just get a little side glance up the uh you know up up to the yeah. other team and you see Gorge looking back and maybe give him <laughs> a smile and a wink or something, yeah. and so, something that makes your blood boil, and then you'd be like, "Oh, it's on, it's on," you know. <laughs> so I reckon I reckon they relish. I reckon they secretly they relish this 
chess game and you know how yeah. how is the um, the master gonna outwit the apprentice or is the apprentice gonna um, you know stick it to the master and, and get I the absolutely W. I think you're right. I think I think rather than it being friendly, I think when you know somebody you're going up against really well, I think you get more competitive, don't you? You want to beat them a hundred percent. You don't get yeah. to you don't get to um, run around on the court anymore and mm. you know dive into the stands like Coach Kelly used to do and provide those hustle <laughs> yeah. plays. Your one chance for adrenaline boost is to uh, you know get get the job done, get the chocolates over one of your um, you know long time uh, you know probably someone he obviously he looked up to when he played um, and you know so he he'd love nothing more than to stick it to his old coach uh, yeah. and uh, get the W. But Gorge's got a bag of tricks. Like he's been in the game a long time and he's mm-hmm. a seasoned, a very seasoned competitor as a coach. Uh, you know, I not mean, too many coaches can, get can away you with. Imagine coaching 750 games in one league, but you've had a 12 year gap from that one league, and, and you've <laughs> been co- and you've still been coaching somewhere else during that time. It's, it's, it's insane. And there's only there's only a certain number of coaches that'll get away with like dress pants with <laughs> sign with Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> runners, yeah, the sneakers, <laughs> yep. and hold it all together somehow in this in this crazy <laughs> enigma that that we call mm. Coach Gorgian. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, my brief my brief times with Gorgian in, in terms of the Boomers stuff on tours and things, uh, you know, is it, really cool to be around and like some of the stories. It's just the stories that you love to hear. Um, so you know, when you're in, you're in his midst, so it's uh, it's fun when he comes to town. Uh, but once you hit that, you know, I know you, when you step between the white lines, it's white line fever, but it's the bit that you're just behind the white line as a coach. I don't know if there's a, a phrase for it, but <laughs> they certainly get that fever of, um, yeah. you know, it's go time and, and this, this game's for real. Like, I don't, I don't care what the ladder is. Now it's now it's personal. <laughs> I'm here to get my personal win against uh, against Gorgian and try and stem that tide uh, that he got, you know, got going earlier. So what's going to happen, Laos? What's going to happen on Sunday? Mate, this is gettable. This is, you know, like you said, they, they played well against Melbourne, who who had that extra talent that was humming. They're, they're in a groove, Melbourne. Um, you know, Wollongong are out of a groove. They're, they're fighting, they're yeah. scrambling. I think Gorgian's going to try and still junk it up, but I think the Taipans have, have got, um, you know, the, those scouts uh, and the, the experience against, um, you know, the teams earlier on in the season. This, this is a gettable game. I think they might actually uh, take it to them on their home court. I wouldn't be surprised either. I think they're in a they're in a real a real slump right now, the Hawks, and I don't know if they have the answers to get to get out of it. And they've got some they've got some personnel decisions they need to make as well because they've got Daniel Gritter that's just come back, and that means when everyone's healthy, they've got to cut somebody. Cut um, someone. So, yeah. So that so that that's never an easy process. So everyone's kind of playing for their job right now, including including their captain AJ Ogilvy, who was the one that actually was signed to replace Gritter in the first place. So. Somebody on that team is going to have to make way for Greta to return and full time, and that's never a nice process either. No, and and with the Taipans, you've got a lot of players that have not had opportunity. Now they've been having opportunity the last mm. you know three or four weeks, and they're starting to feel a bit uh, in, in a groove of you know I've I've I might I've got, got to be bright eyed, bushy tail. I'm going to get an opportunity tonight to play, um, and even all the way down to that development spot. Um, so they're they're a bit frisky, um, and I think you know there's the they, the pressure of performing and um, you know being in the top you know two or three for postseason play it's kind of subsided a bit. I think yeah. they've almost got a free swing just to go out and play and just give energy and and just play as as good as 
as good as um, you know, as good as they can, um, providing all those effort areas. And uh, yeah, there's there's just every chance that um, they can sort of capitalise on a, just that little bit of a groove with all those individual contributions. And then three days later, it's another home game against the Adelaide 36ers on Wednesday night. And based on the way they played against Adelaide last time, um, you'd be disappointed if they didn't back that performance up. Well, Adelaide actually played well to start the game. They were moving the ball well, yeah. and then that ball movement dried up. Um, but at the same time, Taipans were also playing pretty well, and Jarek was got got hot early, as uh, as mm. we mentioned before. So, you know, it was actually a, a fun contest. And then, um, you know, it, it just kind of wore Adelaide down, though. I think the the good defensive rotations and that effort and energy just caused them to go a bit individual, the Adelaide 36ers, and then from there the game kind of uh, fell apart into that sort of 10-point deficit. So, um, look, I've, I think they've got every every reason to be, um, you know, confident about this game. That I, I don't know what injury-wise uh, Adelaide are going to roll with by next Wednesday. Um, you, you think that some of those players will be back. I'll Gideon um, yeah. Pinder back, but I don't expect Humphreys to be back. No, no, Humphreys will be out. But yeah, it'd be great to see Giddy actually, to see mm. him in action and um, uh, you know see see the talent on our home floor uh, in Cairns. But um, look, I think yeah, I think I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a great one to get get along. It will be. And this has been a fun show, Lows. I hope everyone has enjoyed our return here on the Pikey and Lows show. We've had plenty to get through. I hope you enjoyed our special guest Adam Caporn, but I hope you. Also enjoyed all of our insights into everything that's happening with the Cairns Taipans right now. We're looking forward to the, the road game in Wollongong on Sunday and then the home game back at home against the 36ers on Wednesday. I hope you've enjoyed this show. I hope you've enjoyed the insights we've tried to bring you. I'm Chris Pike and I'll, I'll sign off for this week and leave you with the, the wise words of, of old Lows. Well, the bigger picture, of course, at the home games uh, is the families just enjoying hoops and just enjoying the, the product on the floor uh, and, and the kids looking up to these stars. It's really fun to see. Uh, so definitely encourage uh, everyone just to get to the games and just support the lads uh, in uh, the second half of this season.